0: Today, we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 5, and so you can get your Bibles open to that. Um, But I wanted to start by talking about 1975. Does anybody know why 1975 is an important year? I was five years old, and it was the first year of my school. And I was really excited to go to school. Makes me sound old, doesn't it? 1975. 1975 was an exciting year for me because I had been begging my mom to go to school for all the year before. And so I finally got to go to school. But I have very few memories of that year, really. But one memory stands out more than any other. And that is of my favorite pair of pants. I had a pair of brown corduroy bell-bottom jeans. They were awesome. They had a yellow thread down the seams, and I'm sure the bell-bottom part of the jeans were bigger than my shoes. They were, shall we say, very groovy, actually. Now, I was very young in the 70s, and so I don't remember a lot about politics. I do remember when Elvis died, or supposedly died, but uh, I don't really remember about the politics of the day. So, Um, I'm sure that most of you, some of you probably lived through those times, but most of you are aware that the 1960s, 1970s were defined by the hippies and the hippie movement, right? And the hippie movement was characterized by a few things like love and sex and uh, drugs and Jesus and the Vietnam War, right? And there was one motto that stood out more than any other in that time. Do you know what it was? Make love, not war, right? Make love, not war. that motto defined the generation of the hippies and today in Ephesians chapter 5 I'll be talking about love sex and war maybe even some drugs so sit back and relax and get ready to enjoy it So the Apostle Paul here is continuing his thoughts from chapter 4, where Reuben brought us a message last week talking about our behaviors. And the Apostle Paul is talking about the behaviors of Christians, why it's important that we behave like Christians, how we act, how how we respond to people and situations. Now, I know it's difficult to talk about behaviors because really none of us are perfect, right? I'm not perfect for sure. But also, none of us want to carry around this burden of guilt all the time. And so we don't really like to discuss this. But Paul actually didn't write these words to make us feel guilty. He tells us why he wrote them. Look at that verse 1 of chapter 5. He says, basically, he wrote these things so that we could follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. The Apostle Paul wants us to follow God's example. And the first way he tells us to do that is in verse 2, by walking in the way of love. He says, walk in the way of love, just as Jesus loved us and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. You see, love is what it's all about. In fact, love is what God is all about. God so loved us, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. You see, the whole purpose, the whole intent of what God is doing here on Earth is built around love. For God so loved the world, and so without love, we we have nothing really. And you know, the world outside of God has a form of love. But most of the time, the world is really revolving around selfishness, greed, and retribution, isn't it? Now, even even at times when the world has this form of love, it's often done out of selfish motives. And so love is actually done through selfish motives. I love you because you're giving me something. Or you're giving me something that I want or something that I need. And so I love you because you're doing that for me. But when you stop doing that, well, I no longer love you. And so oftentimes, even love is done out of selfish motives. But you know, if you want to know what God is like, you have to first of all understand that God is love. In fact, the apostle John in chapter, in uh, his letter to, in 1 John chapter 4 verse 8 says this, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Love. And so to follow God's example, the first thing we need to do is walk in the way of love. And then Paul tells us what walking in the way of love looks like in verse two there. He says, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. And so the question is, do we love like Jesus loved us? Because if you truly love, then you're gonna give of yourself to that thing you love or that person that you love. If you think about it like, Most of us in the room, we love the All Blacks, right? Don't we love the All Blacks? A little unfortunate that we couldn't watch them play this weekend. But we love the All Blacks. And if you love the All Blacks, then you probably have a jersey of the All Blacks or a shirt or a hat or some form of memorabilia that you can break out on game day to tell the world, I love the All Blacks, right? You probably spent money on the All Blacks. You spent money on the sports package, maybe, or you have a good friend that spent money on the sports package, And the reality is, if you truly love the All Blacks, you probably never wear yellow or green, right? (laughs) And so, if you love the All Blacks, you walk in the way of loving the All Blacks, don't you? You let the world know that you love the All Blacks. But the Apostle Paul here, he tells us that there's something that gets in the way of us walking in love. And so he tells us in verses 3 through 5 that sin prevents us from walking in the way of love. And he basically lays out three categories of sin here. He doesn't give us an extensive list of sin. He just gives us these categories. He says in verse 3, but among you there must not be a hint of sexual immorality, of any kind of impurity, or of greed, because, the, because these are improper for God's holy people. And so he lays these out, immorality, specifically around sexual immorality, impurity, which is sinful words, sinful thoughts, the things that we do in our minds that make us impure, and greed, which he later on calls the sin of idolatry. That you're placing something as of more importance in your life than God. The sin of greed. And so he lays these out. And the reality is sin is desirable, right? That sin is enticing. It draws us in. It, it, it's something that we like. Otherwise, we wouldn't really be attracted to sin. Sin is enticing. But when you sin, you walk in the way of selfishness. Not in the way of love. But the question I had at reading this is why is the Apostle Paul highlighting these sins in the first place? Why is he pointing out our sins? I mean, he spends all of chapter two talking about how we're saved by grace and not by our works, not by our efforts, not by the things we do. And so he spends all that time really emphasizing that, that we're saved by grace. And so why is he talking about our sinful behaviors? <coughs> Excuse me because our sinful behaviors are not connected to our salvation. And so why can't we pursue sin? Why can't we pursue any desire that comes our way? But the fact is, Paul gets even more emphatic here in verse 5. He says, For this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of God and of Christ. That's strong language, isn't it? The Apostle Paul is saying, In fact, immorality, impurity, and greed have no place in the kingdom of God. And the reality is, once this life is over and we go to the new heaven and new earth, there will be no immorality, impurity, or greed. It won't won't exist there. It will not exist in the kingdom of God. But Paul now even gets stronger in verse 6. He says, Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. That's harsh, isn't it? It's hard for me sometimes to reconcile a loving God with a God of wrath. Yet we have to recognize that God can have nothing to do with sin that he can have no part with sin and evil. Paul's point here is not that one sin throws us in hell and condemns us to hell forever. That's not what he's pointing out there. Paul's point is it's less about the moral lapse and much more about the, the habit of behavior, the lifestyle that says you don't care about God.